Hey everyone, I just wanted to let you know that we have a fundraiser going on right now to support the victims of the West Coast wildfires in California, Oregon, and Washington State. Uh, there is a GoFundMe page set up, and also all of the proceeds that the podcast would normally receive from the online Youth Ministry Maverick store are being donated to Matthew 25 Ministries. Uh, For more information on the fundraiser and the links to the store and the GoFundMe page, please visit youthministrymaverick.com. You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding. What's going on, everyone? This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to episode 20, We Are Better Together. Whenever we engage in ministry, it's good for us to be able to have support doing that. Uh, If we're married, uh, it's our spouse that is supporting us. Hopefully our staff and our parents are also supporting us um, and the youth parents uh, that we are serving uh, hopefully provide good feedback and it's a good, healthy environment for us. However, uh, over the years, there has been an increase in the availability of resources and tools to help us in ministry. And joining me today to talk about that is my friend, Zach Workin. Zach works for Lifeway Students. He is also the co-founder of Youth Ministry Booster, and I'll let him tell you more about that in the interview. Uh, But Zach and I have a great discussion uh, talking about uh, the change and the increase in uh, youth ministry resources and partnerships. Uh, we also talk about why some people are hesitant to use those resources and why we really need each other to help each other succeed and have longevity in ministry. So let's go ahead and hop into the interview with Zach. Zach, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with me today, man. Uh, if you could give us a little intro of who you are and what you're up to for anyone who might not know who you are. Uh, well, no, I, I don't expect anybody to really know, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, I'm, I'm excited to share. You've had some amazing guests. I'm just excited to join uh, the chorus of other voices that get to be a part of what you're doing. Um, but my name is Zach Workin, and I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, so up the road a little bit from you. And I serve as the co-founder of Youth Ministry Booster, which is a a community of collaboration, care, and cohorts for youth ministry leaders. Uh, we do that through masterminds and soul care. And I also stir, serve as the student ministry specialist for Lifeway students. So my work and life is pretty much the care and training and coaching of youth ministers across the country. And so uh, any of the folks that are listening that are serving in youth ministry, thank you for what you're doing. Uh, and we are on your team and here in support of you. So yeah, man, that's me. Very cool. That's a very worthy and necessary calling uh, in modern youth ministry, for sure. Thank you, Zach. 
Uh, well, listeners, as I mentioned in the intro, we'll be talking about the evolution and betterment of youth ministry resources and partnerships over the years. Uh, it seems strange now to imagine a youth ministry world without the seemingly endless amount of sources for Bible study, D-Now weekends, camps, mission trips, and other programming. Uh, you can find those things at established organizations as well as casual websites. Uh, the amount wasn't near as prevalent back when I was a teenager, and pre-internet is almost synonymous with the term prehistoric at this point, uh, which was back when I was in elementary school, so I'm basically ancient. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Zach, let's go back to when you were entering leadership roles in youth ministry, uh, in college and, and, and after that as well, maybe even yeah. in high school. Uh, what was available to you as far as resources or options for partnership and support in ministry? So uh, I, I actually thought about this a lot when you set the question over. So I started in youth ministry leadership as an intern in college in 2005. So 15 years ago uh, and said since then have served in a variety of roles. But since 05, I, I feel like we are living in a very dynamically different age for the quantity of what's available. And, and in some ways, the quality of what's available. Uh, it felt like back in 05, you were just shopping uh, curricular resources from the big ongoing brands, the the group, the Cokesbury, Lifeway for who I now work. Like you would just kind of pick and saddle up with one of their ongoing curriculums that was, you know, it was Bible study that was a quarterly magazine or it was on a CD-ROM or it was like, I mean, you, you were kind of subscribing to their annual plan or you were buying it by the quarter or by the year, the annual uh, I guess it wouldn't be an annual digital pass. That wouldn't make sense in 05, but maybe it was like an, an annual shipment of like the books you were going to have. Yeah. Uh, but there, there, there really wasn't like a developed sense of resources for like, you know, short-term studies or D-Now resources or games. Like I think in 05, and I'm saying this as like the son of a children's minister and a college volunteer, I think there were books of clip art to help make yeah. graphics for your flyers. Yep. And there yep. was probably some books of skits or sketches mm-hmm. uh, and then talk sheets. I think that was kind of the first innovative thing is that I think uh, YS or somebody had like basically one page talk sheets that were like a verse, an opener, some ideas and like a closing prayer. And like those were some of the like the Wednesday night devos that we would do after playing volleyball with the kids or whatever. So it was very much like, maybe that's a little bit like 90s into early millennial stuff, but it really feels like from 05 to at least 2010, like we were just kind of shopping either like what's your ongoing curriculum going to be and you pick from one of the big brands uh, or you were, you know, maybe picking up a book of like game or skits or, or maybe some like one-off talks or whatever, but not nearly the level of robust resources of like, you know, a study on Galatians that's deep and rich and true or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's very familiar to me. So I, uh, I just started, um, my internship literally right out of high school. So I think the day I graduated high school was the first day of my first internship. So I was still like a student, but this kind of like learning, uh, and you know, that's where I quickly learned that, Hey, uh, usually when you walk into the youth office as a student, man, people are firing Nerf guns at each other and laughing right. and whatever else. And <laughs> Water blue fights in the hall. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I had to sit at a desk and uh, do work and do all this admin Math stuff. Things yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, whoa. Um, yeah. No, the, the clip art and the curriculum shopping. Uh, in, a, in a previous episode, I had 
my uh, former youth minister, Jim Graham on, and we, and we talked about how the different denominations uh, would also have like structured things. And so there were resources, but very narrow in scope compared to what we have now. A lot of things are uh, cross-platform, inter- interdenominational, um, collaborative media rich right like yeah. I, remember, oh, I, remember, yeah. I remember some of the first studies that came with like you got like the graphic from the study or whatever so it was like you know ignite your life and like there was like oh we got, we got a slide <laughs> we got a we got a slide we got we got we got, we got a little pre-roll or a countdown like like just, oh yeah big league you felt that it was like i got this uh, i remember um there was okay so so this is really dated so this this has helped to maybe for for the listeners to identify with some a couple of dinosaur comments um we got media for our youth ministry on DVDs. And so the countdown you wanted, or maybe like the really like moving, like man sitting next to candle (laughs) scripture and meditative music was like track four on a DVD. Oh yeah. We didn't have all of the planning center to map it out, but it was like, you know, if Timmy's up in the sound booth, he knows after song three hit track four on the DVD, we're going to go into the meditative man sits by swinging candle. Uh, And and that was like the the setup before the sermon because it was like a contemplative sermon that way. Oh yeah. yeah. Definitely like very, very low tech or like for the guys in the back, like having to run and hit play on the VCR and that was like the reason to buy a wireless VCR, man. Like pop the tape in, hit play. And it's we just lost class. we just lost half of our audience right there. Like <laughs> VCR. Listen, I whole- just I just watched Bill and Ted 3, man. I'm living back oh, in like my 90s dreams. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. I need to catch that. That gum. Oh. It's not great. It's not great, but it's, it's not, not terrible. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's you know, it's it's a nice rehash of all the old feelings you used to have. And it has Dude. Keanu, so you just oh. feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> just a really quick note about. Bill and Ted. So Bill and Ted won the mall that they are in was the mall a mile from my house in Phoenix, Arizona. It was Metro Center, which yes. is now closed. No. Uh, and one of, one of the department store areas is now a Walmart. So that kind of tells you what Metro Center is like now. But back in the day, it was like the mall. It was like North Park here in Dallas. It was the thing. It was the thing. And that's where they shot all the things with all the historical characters going up the escalator and stuff. Amazing. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's like the only uh, claim to fame near my area. Um, so yeah. Uh, so man, yeah, all those resources, um, just thinking about what people have available. And even though they're out there and available, a lot of them are free. Some of them cost money, but not that expensive. Especially, or they're all a cart, right? Like that's one. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. it was. You know, it feels like. And I think 2011. I, I talked to my wife about the other day. I feel like 2011 is where the world really shifted to like embracing a lot of that. I think, uh, you know, that's that's when it felt like everybody was you know, buying songs on iTunes really readily, you know, you're, you're paying a dollar for this or $2 for an app. Like the app store seems to really be like, had like 10 years ago seems to be like the threshold for like, everything is like kind of app based. So the idea of having a $4 game and a $10 lesson and a $5 media slide or whatever, like all of those kind of like uh ticky tacky, like, you know, you, you can buy them you know, a la carte and you with, with loose change kind of thing seem to really shift uh, a decade ago, which again, like is, is interesting because like there's so much choice in that, but there's also like so much choice in that. And I think that's one of the things that even now some folks are beginning to talk about, like, but where does that fall under like a strategy? Like, where does that fall under like a game plan? Because I think sometimes having so many choices 
kind of almost puts us in the place that we're choosing all the time. And so we're like revisiting or re-upping like on a weekly basis. And so we're not being able to like kind of commit to the plan or stick to the plan. And I think that's one of the things that will be maybe for later in this conversation, even some of the things uh, that I think are really important to think through is uh, kind of trusting in like a scope or trusting in kind of like an arc of like what you're working through, uh, especially in student ministry where we want to be really nimble and agile, uh, but not so much so that we feel like we're a ping pong ball being batted around from week to week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Vision is something that I feel like as the choices have grown, uh, almost like Netflix, we get paralyzed with the options that we have. And yes, and uh, this is good, and this is good, and this is good. Yeah, they're good, but do they fit together? And students, we never finish them, right? We end up on the menu screen and we end up watching. There's some meme I think on Reddit of like everybody's favorite Netflix show is like just the menu screen of just scrolling. (laughs) That's paralyzed by all the choices. And we're like, I could probably watch. So we end up just watching The Office over and over. And that's where I think for a lot of us, there is some of that element in our teaching that we end up just teaching like, you know, John 1 over and over, or we end up Mm -hmm. teaching like Colossians 2 over and over. Good. Again, nothing wrong, but have we like limited ourselves because we don't trust ourselves or trust what's out there enough to kind of lean into it or embrace it or let it run its course? Listen, man, Amos is a powerful Old Testament book for the times that we live into, but you may not be able to like tread those waters on your own without some like trust or guide. So anyway, that's. Oh, that's yeah. Plug oh, to sure, maybe man. hopefully get our Amos study off the ground, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so when, when people actually say, okay, I'm going to make a choice. I have some money to spend or I have a summer to plan out. What are the things I'm going to talk about? And a few things that make people hesitant toward using those resources that we mentioned. Um, you know, there are a few things and one of them is pride. That's something I can mm. relate to. Uh, while seminary humbled me in several necessary ways, my pride still reveals its ugly face. Uh, and it really did my first year out of seminary. Uh, I would look at other resources on top. You were trained, right? Oh, yeah. You were trained That's for right. this. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I, I knew everything, man. I was coasting on cloud nine with Jesus right next to me. Uh, so mm-hmm. I would look at other resources on topics I wanted and thought, man, this is so lackluster. I can improve on this. And so I would end up spending money on curriculum that was supposed to be essentially turnkey and I ended up basically rewriting most or all of it to make it, quote, good enough. And I know I'm not the only one that's guilty of that pattern. Uh, so that's something that I think some people struggle with. On the flip side, another reason is that youth workers took those turnkey resources and just as we uh, mentioned, really, really depended on them as turnkey. No edits, no personalization and just kind of let them loose. And they kind of scattered. There was no vision. Mm. Students didn't have any cohesion to tie back to the church that they were at or the direction of the youth ministry or how you should grow in your faith and understanding as you grow and and mature age-wise. And so when those resources fail, those ministers and workers jump ship from many of those outside sources, period, because they say, oh, it didn't work. And so we'll just stick with the standard verse-by-verse Bible study, which is fine, but they do that in response to jumping ship from some great resources and they try and do some quick prep lessons fueled by Googled verses that pertain to the topic, you know? Right, so, right, right. Um, yeah. And, th- and there's also the reality that some churches have a specific series, like right now, uh, our church is doing a church wide series on peacemaking. And so it's from the pulpit, it's 
children's Bible study, youth Bible study, adult Bible study. We're all talking about the same content. So you have based on the sermon series. Yeah. So you, so you have times like that when you need to make it more focused, but for the most part, there are lots of good reasons to use that curriculum, but those few few ideas, and then you can kind of go off of some of them. I think those are some of the big holdups. So Zach, what would you say to those who are hesitant to purchase or use outside resources for their ministry? Uh, so the, I think the thing that I would want to offer Jeff is that for, for those that are listening, that are student ministry leaders, youth pastors, uh, who have shop curriculum or shopping curriculum or have cobbled together curriculum, um, see it as an asset or partnership for what the plan is for your ministry. I think a lot of times, uh, there, there is a, there is a sentiment or a wavelength in ministry that seems to very, be very consumer driven, right? Like, what am I going to buy that's going to fix my ministry? And I think to be able to ask the question of what is my ministry about? Is there something out there that would enhance it or enrich it? And I think uh, in the same way that you just shared, right? Like the peacemaking piece is true and good, but it's, it's fueled by the vision of your church as as it relates to kind of having the ripples from the sermon series impact small groups, impact student ministry. And so I think like starting there, starting at the kind of the, the center or the locus of like, okay, what what are, what's the, the, again, it's the broader picture. What's our vision for this year? What are the things that we know we want to cover over a couple years? Because there's gonna be a lot of things that change, right? There's gonna be things that kind of like uh, uh, stuff in the news is going to happen or stuff in like your schools are going to happen. And we should be able to like adapt and be agile. But one of the things that I hold is true as student ministry is it's spiritual formation. Yeah. Like there are things that I want every student that comes through my ministry to you know, know how many books are in the Bible, to have an understanding of the Trinity, to uh, to realize that that Jesus as Son of God is a fulfillment of God's plan that offers redemption to the world, that forgiveness is a Christian practice, that, yeah. that prayer is good for the soul, that the scripture is worth reading and rereading. Like these are things that like even if the news gets wonky or even if something happens that you feel like you want to pause and interject about. There are like, like tenants, there are tent poles, there are cornerstones that I want every student to have experienced in the two, three, or six years that I get with them. And so I think having a broader picture that way and then knowing where those things intersect, right? And like what resources are good for this and that uh, is really helpful. Um, the thing that I would offer to those that are really hung up on that, well, I've got to write, because I have a vision, I've got to write it. Uh, I would I would implore you to think that you are not hired to be a curriculum author for your church. Hmm. Um, you are hired, you are staffed, you are in position to be the minister to students and their families, whether that's, that's right. middle school, high school, everybody else. A- at some level, you may have some quality assurance check. You may review, revise, whatever, but you should be a curator of the word for your students, leaders, and their families. And so finding the spots in which these help make sense for those that are in the care of your ministry is your most important work. If you're really like burdened to write better curriculum, then come on, call me. We'll find a company, a team, a division, a brand that would love to bring you on to write material. But if you are called and accepted the call to serve at a church as the the local student minister to care for the students in your town, in your community, at the church you're at, then one of your roles is not creating curriculum or even really editing curriculum, but curating 
curating it, sometimes that means edit. Sometimes that just means picking the right things. You are not a consumer. You're not a creator. You're a curator for the care of what your students and families need. And I think that's a, it, it's, it's a mindset shift. It, it's a role realignment. And it's really an identity remembrance because what happens is, at least in some conversations that I have with student ministers is that they'll spend eight, 10, 12 hours on a 20 minute piece of sermon or, or maybe even like YouTube content. And that's for a full-time minister. If a fourth of your week is 20 minutes of a talk, you are missing out. Truly. I think you're missing out on the ways in which you can invest in the leaders, students and families of your church. Like if if you are spending, and that's where I think uh, we, we talk a lot with our ministry community at booster, like, like, knowing how your time is spent. I mean, it, time is an investment, right? Like like money is a resource, time is a resource. And if you're spending all of this time on a very small sliver of time that you have with your students, I think we've got to readjust, kind of recalibrate some of those things. Now, yeah, if you get up in front of students, you should be ready in and out of season to preach the word, 100%. But your role as minister is not only to preach the word. It may be the thing that you feel most passionate about. And it may be even in your top three or five things to do every week. But if it's taking a fourth of your week to get one of those things done, you are missing some of the space in which you can be pastor, curator, and shepherd for the students of your of your church and ministry. Man, I love that. I'm officially today changing my job title to curator. You know, I, <laughs> I love that, man. I am going into the bylaws. I am changing my job description. Man, I love that approach because Oh man, it's it's such a, and I'm 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 going to say this word and it might have a negative connotation, but it's a supervisory role in the best sense because yeah. you are involved and you are helping run it, but you also are observing and seeing the reaction and seeing how things take effect, how they're received, if they're received, if not, that's when you can go and tweak things because students learn in different ways, they absorb things in different ways, different experiences will be a lot more meaningful for, for some students and not for others. And so it has to be fluid, kind of like you mentioned. And yeah, I love that picture of a curator, man. And that, that's a really Can you imagine really if you were the image. guy that was like, I'm going to be the youth pastor, but we're not going to write and sing any worship songs that I don't write. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being that guy? Like, like we're only uh, gonna do worship songs that like I write or my team writes. Man, right. like that's cool. And if you feel passionate about that, then try to find a way to make that like what you're about or like your side hustle of energy and expenditure. But like that's not the fundamental role of why you're there. Like, and so I just in the same way, I know that like the teaching thing is a protected thing because it does feel like a, a God honoring office. But we talked about this on the pre-show, like. It's the word, like the the preaching and the proclamation of the word is only a piece of ministry. Like when Mm -hmm. we see the apostles, Mm -hmm. like the sermons are short, but the like the, 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 the leadership building of the house churches, the caring for the sick, like there's so much other ministry to do. They have to bring other people in. Right. And I think that's one of the things that like, if you take it back to the first century, like, like the sermons that we pull from and we quote from are what four or 14 verses. And then we have all these verses about church church organization and settling conflict, uh, caring for the needy, finding ways in which to, to plant new churches. And so again, like preaching the word, proclaiming the word, an important office and role, teaching it 
yes, it's one of the offices of ministry, but it can't be the thing that consumes all of our time if you were hired to minister to students and their families. And so again, that goes back to what were you put there to do? What did you agree to do? Are you doing the thing that you agreed to do or the thing that you want to do? And that maybe is a different episode about ministry success of like, I had a vision. The folks that brought me in had a different vision. We both accomplished the different visions we had, and therefore we had conflict. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I accomplished this, and so it's your fault because you're not. I, yeah. I got fired for for preaching the word to students and writing great sermons. Yeah, but Jeff, we really wanted you to spend some time with their families. Oh, well, I mean, like, yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. So um, that uh, that perspective, um, it's a good one to have. It's also exhausting, and when we think about being tired in ministry, a lot of it really is being tired from events and retreats and being drained after having a hard conversation with a student or a family. A lot of that is involved with it, but a lot of the hidden pieces of student ministry that I feel like uh, isn't really talked about much in seminary or training classes or anything is um, when you're figuring out what you're going to do, crafting the vision, implementing it, thinking about the content, the curriculum, the programming, um, and trying to have a good perspective, like we mentioned, of the curator, um, that can get really, really exhausting. And so when we spend a lot of time on that, not not all our time, right? Not 12 hours on, on 20 minutes, but we spend a lot of intentional time both crafting it and then being with the students and implementing it if those things fail, well, not if, when they fail eventually, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it can be really, really hard on an individual. And uh, if anyone listening is in vocational ministry, even volunteer or anything like that, um, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, I think everyone who's been in ministry for a long am- amount of time or a decent amount of time at some point has entertained the thought of just walking away because they are tired and they're Mm. not just tired. They're tired in a way that surpasses external or biological, like it's your soul, your soul is heavy. Um, And so the other portion that we mentioned about networking and and resources that we didn't get to uh, is partnerships, ministry partnerships Um, and soul care. Like I set up is a very real and needed element in ministry. Working harder and pushing through is a great way to push yourself into depression, burnout, and even cynicism of the church overall. Don't get me wrong, ministry requires endurance through fatigue and adversity for sure. But if we don't carve out time to rest and recharge, we are asking for a world of hurt. And those consequences aren't limited to just ministers, but their families, as well as those in their ministry. So Zach, what sort of benefits have you received over the years in your conversations, friendships, and encouraging partnerships within ministry? Uh, man, Jeff, this this is an area of, of passion for me because this is the thing that I think is what keeps ministers in ministry. Um, I, I wish it was more complicated than that, but it seems to be true that the quality of the relationship that you have with peer ministers, which seems so counterintuitive that the thing that would keep you in ministry longer is to have folks outside of your ministry ministering to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that's where 
we miss the backfill of how draining the work can be, of how depleting the work can be, the tired in a way that I can't explain, the, the true fatigue of, of what comes with ministry. Ministry is a relationally draining work. And so if you don't have relationships that replenish and renew you, it's just a matter of time before you run out. And so um, I think that's an important way to remember to keep the cup filled. I mean, I think some of that starts in our own spiritual practices of uh, reading the word, being in prayer, um, ha- having wisdom um, from sources that are not generated by our own capacity, right? That's whether it's books, podcasts, conversations. Uh, it's a healthy practice, a Sabbath. Uh, it's, it's being present with our family that loves us and is long suffering with us. Um, I, I probably am still in ministry today because of uh, my best friend, uh, Chad, who we started podcasting and doing the booster. So when I said co-founder at the beginning, the other guy that gets that title is my friend named Chad. Uh, and really when we say co-founder, we just, we started having the conversations first and just wanted to keep inviting other people into it. And so, I mean, if there's this, this sounds like really like just cheesy or whatever, but it's true. Like booster really is just an ongoing conversation that Chad and I are trying to have with every other minister that will listen uh, so much so that like we call each other uh, four days a week, Monday through Thursday at like eight Oh four AM. One of us will call the other one uh, to just talk. Uh, it's sometimes silly, sometimes serious, sometimes spiritual, um, but those conversations are literally the thing that like move me from waking up early, working a little bit to like re-engaging with my work at 845 when he goes into the office and I'm back at the computer working again. And so I think uh, we need those to give us the right perspective uh, to renew us to what we're about. I think sometimes we need the the forgiveness and the license of, man, you're worried about the wrong things. Uh, or you are focusing on this when I think you should be focusing on that, or I think you're neglecting your family because you feel pressure to get this thing done for work that may or may not pay you off anyway, right? I think that's where some of the real hurt in ministry comes is that we put all this time and energy into ministry related stuff. And then we don't feel like we get the return on it that we put into it. And so we take it out on ourselves, or our family relationships that were there for us the whole time, right? I think some of the biggest fights, uh, that I've had uh, that were 100% my fault uh, were the times in which I had put a lot of effort and stock into the ministry thing, the camp, the retreat, the, the, the kickoff series, sermon, the functions of ministry, and then coming home and feeling like I had been disconnected from my family. And so in like frustration and in like absenteeism coming home to it, uh, created conflict because I wasn't who I needed to be uh, because I had like let the nobility of the work take everything out of me. And then when I didn't get back what I thought I was owed for the amount of energy I'd put into it, it, it carved out some pretty nasty habits of being like frustrated and angry and short tempered um, that were, were wrong expectations and misplaced because I wasn't having the honest conversations and having the presence with my family like I needed to. And so I think, again, the, the irony that, that you'll do better at your ministry by cultivating the relationships outside of it, um, it, it's counterintuitive until it's not. And then you find ways to recenter your own health to be able to do the work of ministry. We talk a lot about it in Booster, like there's the work of ministry, but there's the calling on your life. 
Uh, I know for some other folks that that helps them move from like, well, I served at this church or I was in this community for a while. Like just because those roles and positions change doesn't change the calling on your life. I think there's some good scripture evidence of that, of like we see people move through, Moses moved through these different roles of leading the folks, sometimes getting it right, sometimes getting it wrong. But the calling is true in his whole life, even at the point of getting it very wrong out of his anger. And so I think that's Mm. a, a helpful way to maybe to be tied back to like, the one who has called you is different than the work you were assigned, like the, the mm. mission or the assignment. So, yeah. Oh, I, lo- I love that, man. I love that. I know pre-show, I think uh, we mentioned Enneagram and you said you're a seven, right? Seven. Trying to be uh, a healthy seven. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I am a three. Okay. I'm a three wing two. And so I love to achieve things. And I love getting my worth from my achievements. Uh, and so uh, just thinking about um, my own journey and uh, for my fifth episode, I talked with my good buddy Scott about burnout and c- cynicism uh, and really where our hope is. Uh, and so uh, being able to think about that uh, in my own life has given me a lot of perspective. And almost like you mentioned with your family uh, and kind of having that, that reset, you know, I've had um, some episodes, uh, not podcast episodes, but episodes in my life that were fueled by getting caught up uh, and expecting something from my work. Just like you mentioned, I put in yeah. a, lot of, a lot of sweat equity into this. I had a lot of great conversations and it wore me out. And then I finished cleaning up and I feel like, man, I did a great job. And I come home and and I didn't do this. I didn't do this. But of course, I would I would blame others and say, "Oh, this isn't this isn't done." And how come I can't just take a break or whatever? And and a lot of that was just me not having clear expectations and clear and needed boundaries and margin in my life to say my family and my home uh, and my health are the things that are more important than me yeah. getting my ego strokes and my worth built up in something mm. that's finite, which we talk about eternal things, but our effort in it, um, God doesn't need that. He can use others and it will get told anyway. And he needs people who are connected to the source to remember, like you said, the one who has called them. And if we don't take rest in Christ and refuge in him, then everything that is outpouring of our life into our ministry, it's going to be fake. It's going to be burned out effort that will drain and put us in a tailspin that will end uh, nowhere good. Um, and so being mm-hmm. able to realize, hey, you know what? Uh, with, with ministry, especially if you have a lot of kids in your ministry or a lot of things to do, we tend to think, hey, if I can do something for the quantity of students that I have, then it must be quality. And really what is the best quality work or the quality content um, is, is coming from a heart that is broken and dependent and humble and realizing that we are being used by the only one who is good. Mm. Um, And through us, God moves his church, he proclaims his kingdom, and through people in youth ministry, he helps train 
young minds to do essentially what the church is called to do, which is replace ourselves. We want to get those who are younger and say, if they are in a position like mine or in that position or in that public office or a teacher in that classroom or an engineer over here, I want them to learn from my mistakes. So I need to set a better model. And also I need to stress the importance and the number one priority of resting in Christ and knowing mm-hmm. that's where my worth comes from. Not from anything mm-hmm. I do, but because of who I am in Christ, made yeah. in the image of God and redeemed and renewed and being transformed more and more into his likeness. And the way that we transform isn't by getting more training and knowledge and, and degrees and that stuff. It's mm. getting lower and lower. It's the first beatitude that Jesus mentions. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who mm. realize they are spiritually bankrupt have nothing to contribute to their worth and their position, but it's God who places them. It's God who gives them value. And us just existing and walking around, we are a living testament to the creator because we are made in the image of God and when we interact with each other as a church, with men and women, um, all of that, it's a great picture of what God intended originally, even before yes. the fall. And so when we realize that and get over ourselves and get over the stress of having to live up to this standard or that, or that standard or meet that benchmark, that's really more for our own ego and not for our ministry. That's when we really... Um, realize that it's our soul that needs the care first and our family is our first ministry and our Mm. mental health, our emotional health. And then out of that, God can do great things um, through us. Yeah. No, I mean, again, and brother, thank you for sharing so honestly from your own experience, like uh, we we would not want to preach a gospel that told people they were judged by their effort. And yet some of us are living into our calling like what we might be. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, That's right. I mean, for, for folks, I mean, we're preaching like, and God does not assign your value based on what you can do. Now I got 80 more hours this week of time. I'm going to put in this job. I'm going to show, <laughs> I'm going to show him that. I'll, yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, that's right. Uh, so I, I think again, like, I mean, and that's, sorry, as a seven, I have to deflect the humor when I'm saying things that are really true, <laughs> but I mean it. And I think for so many folks, we think, and we just live these stressed out lives. And I know that this has been a stressful season and it's not fair because this, um, everything that we thought we knew has been flipped upside down. Mm-hmm. And some of it's landing back on the ground. Some of it's still ha- hanging up in the air. Um, but all the more reason to recenter yourself, not on what you can do and not assigning your worth on what you can produce, um, but who called you and the ways in which you honor that call. I mean, you said it, the, the original plan, uh, the, the garden fulfillment of God's creation was relationship in the cool of the day. That's right. right? Like there, there's very, I mean, yeah, Adam had the work of naming the animals, but that seems like they was probably going to get done in its own time anyway. Right. So I just, I think for so many of our, of our ministry friends, our brothers and sisters that are serving and doing like, um, if God called you to do it, it wasn't because of what you could do, but because you might be faithful to the call that God extended. So that's right, man. That's right. So, uh, man, I'm so glad that you could hop on with me today. Uh, before we wrap up, can you tell us a little bit about youth ministry booster uh, and where people can link up with you elsewhere online. 
Well, hey man, we 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 just got done, and we're super excited about this. We just finished up uh, season two uh, registration this September, uh, and so our community has swelled to over five hundred members, and we're excited for the time we get to be together from this fall till next year. Uh, and so, for those folks that jumped on board, they're listening to this. Thank you so much. We're excited for this season together. I'm excited uh, about it too. Dude, you're, you're, you're Thursdays with Will, man. You got Heck it. Yeah, man. So, Heck yeah. uh, we're excited for the mastermind groups, the soul care opportunities. Uh, but that does not mean that Youth Ministry Booster is not uh, available and caring for those that are serving in ministry. Uh, I'd love to just chat with folks. That's kind of my role now in this season is to help care for members uh, and connect other folks to what we're going to do in the future. And so you can follow all the social media things of at Youth Ministry Booster. On Twitter, it's like at Ministry Booster. Uh, all of my stuff is like at Zach Working on Instagram, Facebook. Facebook is probably where we can talk more ministry. Instagram is a lot of photos of my kids and kayaks. So like, <laughs> I, it's whatever, or barbecue, whatever, wherever. If you want to have a ministry conversation, send me a Facebook message. If you want to talk about like, you know, kid photography and kayaks and barbecue hit me up on Instagram, I guess. Uh, but man, we are excited. We have some things coming out this fall as kind of some online resources for those that are leading in ministry, um, some training opportunity things to give to your leaders. Uh, the one that I love right now that's available for everybody uh, is our parent partner resource. And so at lifeway.com slash parent partner, it's a subscription-based resource that gets you customizable parent ministry uh, kits, content uh, for parents to have discipleship conversations at home. It fuels that part of your ministry. Uh, we talked about at the top of this episode, we need stuff that fits the vision of our ministry. Uh, that resource came out of our Youth Ministry Booster community. Like we, COVID hit and we all talked and I was like, what do we need in this season more than anything? And it was, how do we have engaging conversations between parents and students that are, that are at home all the time now? And so that was our way to kind of like ramp up and create a resource that was for student ministers to have customized so that from Jeff to his family, his parents, he's getting a discipleship material to have them jumpstart conversations in prayer around the dinner table on the drive time or uh, activity time. But to have like, sorry, that's a lot of the, the Fred E Duke divinity, like season for all times of ministry, like <laughs> stuff coming up to light. Uh, but the idea that like parents are the principal disciples at home that's and right. we want to, as, as student ministers, fuel those conversations and not just overflow those conversations. That was, so Chad uh, was really excellent in kind of engineering some of that is that, you know, most times in student ministry, we'll send home stuff, right? We'll have a great lesson. You know, here's a, here's a parent question to take home and ask at the table, but that's a lot of pressure on a seventh grader to get your sermon right and tell their parent about it. But this is from us to you to customize and send directly to your parents. Either uh, it's really easy to set up and send via MailChimp or email, or even through some SMS services with some attachments. And so we wanted to make that for youth ministers to help uh, jumpstart or elevate the conversation. So that way, parent ministry is now a, a conversation with, hey, how did things go this week instead of a content creation? And I, that's the move for us is how do we help create more conversations instead of just content creation uh, for those that are leading in ministry? So we've got a couple other things that are coming out 
leader wise related that way of creating better conversations for student pastors and their volunteer leaders that I'm excited to share with probably about mid October, November. So I don't know when this is dropping, but if it's around, then you have to check that out. Uh, and then we've got some, hopefully some conferences coming up this winter and spring. Uh, we've got some ideas to take some things on the road and bring conferencing to you since we're living in a weird season of big conferences, maybe not happening is maybe to have some roadshow, smaller things. And so uh, you can follow you ministry booster uh, about, that and we'll post those things as we come to some different areas uh, of the country to bring um, some mastermind soul care and youth ministry conversations to you. So awesome, brother! Yeah, yeah. And something that we mentioned earlier: uh, partnerships and, and networking and people being burned out. Uh, uh, my the organization that I work for. I'm also uh, a member of Youth Ministry Booster, as Zach mentioned. And recently, I just started uh, with the National Network of Youth ministry. Congrats, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you, man. Congrats, by the way. Yeah, and and a big a big part of 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 why they do what they do. Uh, Josh Griffin and some other guys uh, recently have done some studies, uh, and the tenure of the average youth pastor has actually gone up, which is great. Um, but whether it's something like Booster or NNYM or other things, studies find that if um, ministers are plugged in to a healthy group of peers who are encouraging them, praying for them, helping share resources, helping them brainstorm stuff, and keeping them from burnout and doing soul care. It can actually triple the average tenure of a youth pastor. So wouldn't it be great it. if uh, if the average youth pastor was at a church closer to a decade and less like one term of a U.S. House representative, right? right. <laughs> You, you, you have. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we want to talk about like House and Senate terms or whatever. Oh, sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll just say if we could go from two to six. What is yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's do that, right? Let's oh, not man. turn reps into senators. That's a different conversation though. Yeah. Let somebody else in your podcast tackle. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Hey, it's a it's election season. Everything's live, man. Everything's oh, live. That's it, man. Uh, oh man. Well, bro, thank you again so much. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you are welcome back anytime. I'll, I'll be praying for you as you craft those resources, have those good conversations pour into those who are pouring into the next generation. Yes. And man, uh, let's rock and roll. Let's make this next generation great and help them to love Jesus. Awesome. Thank, thank you, Jeff. And uh, thanks for what you do. Thanks, bro. That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Zach for joining me. Go ahead and look up his resources of Youth Ministry Booster and Lifeway students that are in the show notes. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. You can catch us anywhere you stream podcasts, including youthministrymaverick.com and at 6 p.m. Central on Monday nights on Eternity Ready Radio. Please share this episode with your fellow youth workers, those who are looking for resources, those who are looking for partnerships, because we are better together as we can support one another with curriculum that we write or that we share with others and sharing ideas has always helped uh, other people who are in ministry so they can reach Jesus and not have to work so hard at creating, as Zach mentioned, but being a curator of good content. If you have any questions, please reach out to me over social media or the website, and I am looking forward to more fantastic guests in the future. So until next time, adios.